Hola mi gente y bienvenidos a Self Love y Vino. Mi nombre es Shumari and I'm your host. Self Love y Vino es un podcast bilingüe dedicated to this hard thing we call life. Ser una mujer fuerte hoy en día no significa that we have everything under control. It simply means we embrace the changes y que luchamos para seguir adelante día a día. Hablaremos de motherhood, social expectations versus reality, friendship y mucho más. I'm a mom of four teens, corporate professional, I'm also a crafting lover, entrepreneur, military vet, an avid traveler, and now the host and creator of this podcast, because why not challenge my limits a little bit more? Todos necesitamos self-care and self-love, but how to achieve that? Compartiré como día a día sobrepaso obstáculos as I currently go through one of the hardest moments of my life. Every day I make a choice to get up, be kind to myself, love myself, and self-care in different ways. When there's a will, there's a way, right? Acompáñame con un poquito de vino, café o té. Y como decimos en mi isla bella de Puerto Rico, ¡vamos ya! Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number five. I'm here with Gwen, my dear friend. How long have I known you? Let's see. I started work at where we both worked together in 2011. So I think you started in 2012. I think so, like early 2012. That, that's 10 years. Okay, that's a decade. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Does it feel like 10 years? Almost. Yes and no. It feels longer to me. Really? Mm -hmm. I guess it feels like 10 years, but at the same time, it doesn't anywho today's episode we're gonna talk about sadness and grief i'm so glad i came for the fun one <laughs> she's like hmm, it was depressing Gwen. <laughs> that is not it at all you know what i thought when i was thinking about grief and sadness i was like who has gone through a really traumatic event and he still manages to be an amazing person. That's what I was thinking when I was working on this. Yeah. Oh, and today's episode, it's only in English, because it's usually bilingual. All right, so when I was getting ready for this super fun episode, as people have listened to me prepare for different episodes, I always tell people that I prepare ahead of time and I have questions that I ask myself and then ask my guests just so that I don't go in trying to guess what I'm going to do, right? For this particular episode, it was really hard. It was really hard to come up with questions and, and ideas and how to get the topic going because it's it's sad. I mean, it's you're talking about grief, and obviously, if you can identify with that topic, you've lost something, you've lost someone, you're grieving. So, like, how to even... Like, how do I even begin to try to cover that? So I try to be as genuine and as open as I could be yeah. to cover this subject. And the first question I asked myself was, how do I know I am sad? Because for me, and I've never asked this question to anybody else, so I honestly don't know. But for me, sadness and anger go hand in hand. So I was like, am I really sad? Or am I just really angry and I don't know how to express my anger? Yeah. So I get frustrated and then I cry. <laughs> so, right? But in my case, in my situation, I am sad because I am grieving the loss of something I thought I had and I didn't. So the realization of that and processing that and how much thought I've put into that has been devastating. And it's not just 
the realization of that, but everything else that has been happening in the last months. So yeah, moments, I'm very upset and I'm very sad. I mean, I'm very upset and angry and I might just be venting to my friends and like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. But deep down, what I have is deep sadness, like deep, and, and I've never experienced anything like this. So I figured if anybody could relate to my, the legit, le, uh, legitimacy. Uh. I just say legit. <laughs> You're ready to say legitimate, but I yes, yes, that's what I was trying to say. It's because it's a sadness that I don't. I mean, I don't know if everybody experiences this. Maybe in different. Like everybody has their own version of hell. Yeah. So everybody has their own sadness and their own grieving and their own. But like, I never in the forty almost forty years I've been in this earth, I've never experienced a sadness of this magnitude yeah. and then I feel sad but I still have to carry on every day. and it's so hard yeah. it's, it's incredibly hard every day I literally have to I mentioned it in a in another podcast I think it was the first one or second one I have to literally tell myself get up go yeah. brush your teeth yeah. brush your hair yeah. take a shower yeah. and I have to do it step by step and it sounds repetitive and it sounds like a lot but if I'm just thinking, I have to get up and get ready for work. I think the magnitude to, that you're speaking of, depth of grief that you go to is going to, that sort of having to coach yourself through breathing. For me, it was breathe in and out. That's how deep and dark it was. It's just breathe. Forget sitting up, mm. opening your eyes, blink, like putting your feet on the floor. Right. Just keep breathing. Mm -hmm. I think at some point in people's lives, if they're blessed to live long enough, they will experience this depth of grief and sadness. But I hope that most of your listeners can't relate to this yet. Right. For goodness sake. I hope not. Um, and that this podcast is maybe not one of your most listened to because it should, I only would want people to really, if they need to feel seen or heard or understood, come here when they are in the depths of their, of their grief or loss, whatever it is that they've lost and come here for that but what you're speaking of i grief is going to manifest differently for every single person and if you've gotten to the level of grief that you and i have then it's i don't know about everyone i can only mm -hmm. i can take your account in mind of course i didn't know sadness as anger until i experienced my loss and just to qualify it for your listeners mm -hmm. so that they understand to some degree what i'm talking about in this podcast in december of 2019 i my third child and she only lived to be four months mm. and unexpected passed because of SIDS so one of my children so it's one of the worst assaults in my opinion that life has to offer a human being I'm very sorry thank you it's um it's still a process it's a process it's mm -hmm. we're we're getting through it it's we're gonna we're coming up on three years of life without her and so that's pretty bleak and, and I think the hardest, sorry, I don't mean to, no, the hardest part is that life doesn't stop. No. So we're sad, we're grieving, we're devastated, we can't get up from bed, but like the rest of everything around us doesn't stop. Right. So we have to be strong and find a way to live. And part of that is because we're mothers. Right. And our children need us. Mm -hmm. Not everyone is a mother or a parent. Mm -hmm. And those people who have not been blessed with children yet, or perhaps they go through the loss of their only child, mm -hmm. or they go through infertility, which is a type of loss, Ugh. 
they don't have to, they can for a minute wallow in and, and sit in that mm-hmm. grief. And I don't, they're really, in my opinion, there isn't one that's better than the other. What is qualifying your grief is going to play a huge part in how you navigate it afterwards. Mm-hmm. And for someone like me who, you know, the night I had toddlers, her older siblings were 19 months and just turned three years old when my four-month-old passed. Those kids have no understanding of what's going on. So that very, within moments, you have to pick it back up and just turn it back on and you have no time to even think about it. And so from my perspective, I'm looking at those people who don't have someone else to take care of and who can just sit in it and really fully process in real time what they've gone through. I was a bit envious of that in that moment, you know. I'm sure, sure, until today. Not just then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Versus the people who, you know, have lost their only child are like, oh, I wish I had another kid to hold on to. Or people who suffer with infertility, oh, I wish I still just had a kid in general to lose. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Those sorts of things. It's all about perspectives. What's, how do I know I'm sad? Well, shoot. I used to think it was as easy as I feel blue. This level of sadness that I now know was manifesting as anger and it was just anger upon anger upon anger for at least a year and a half afterwards i didn't even really have that guttural like i can't breathe suffocating crying right i didn't even have that until about a year and a half later and then i realized like all of this rage and i it it was legit rage that Mm -hmm. i had been feeling about what was stolen from me Mm -hmm. your baby yeah but it's not just someone's baby, someone's family, someone's, depending on if it was their career, their passion, or if they've been injured to the point where they can't do their, their career anymore. A doctor who has his hand injured. Um, it's a loss. It's, it's a loss. Mm-hmm. And so rage is new to me. I didn't realize that anger was a huge telltale sign of sadness. That was new, and I'm still learning. Every day, I... I'm a woman of faith, so every day I pray and I'm like, please remove the anger. Just get rid of this anger. It's so uncomfortable for me to be this angry all the time. And it's a constant. Mm -hmm. And what I realize is that the anger is really, in translation, sadness. Because if I sit there and think about it too long, I'm only angry because I'm heartbroken. Because you don't have what you love. In my case, is my marriage and the man I thought was my husband somebody else it could be you know a failed IVF mm-hmm. or a failed career so like like I said earlier it's like our own version of hell yeah and I say it again just validating what you said earlier I hope not a lot of people can identify yeah. with this because it sucks yeah. and I don't want to take any grievance to other divorces mm-hmm. because just getting divorced just just in general. Any dissolution of a marriage is a death in a family. Oh my gosh, it's awful. Because you become a family. That's what a marriage is, is becoming a family. Right. A new family member. When you when that divorce happens, even if they don't pass, they, right. they are no longer a member of your family tree. That branch has been cut. Right. So I'm. it's not foreign to me. And I'm not. Yeah. My parents are still together. They've been yeah. together for over 40 years. So this whole thing, it's it's super new and yeah. strange to me. And like, I don't want to keep dangling to people and say, oh, you just, you don't know what's happening. You know, you don't know the reason why we're getting divorced. But I can't tell you yet. But literally, I can't. Mm-hmm. I literally can't. But it's not your average divorce. It's not because 
we were having problems and then one day we said you know what i'm tired of arguing yeah or i caught you cheating or you know what um emotionally abusive to me like it wasn't anything like that yeah so the magnitude the reason of this divorce is so heartbreaking that that's what's making it so difficult because I have to process all of that and I still have to go through the motions. Like Tammy was saying the other day, if you decided to get a divorce and then you were divorced three months later, perfect. This takes over a year, two years. Isn't that crazy how easy it is to get money? It's difficult, expensive. So expensive. Mm -hmm. I might have to get a part-time job. No, just kidding. Hopefully not. But enter the podcast. <laughs> who's our sponsor today? Right. Who's gonna sponsor this next week? Kleenex. <laughs> Anything at this point. Oh. A t-shirt, a towel, a blanket, whatever I can get my hands on. Honestly. So there's different depths and different levels of grief for sure. Yeah. And I just learned that. Yeah. It's like you don't want. Like I, I was not aware. I mean, it sounds very naive, but when everything started happening, I was like, oh my God, what is this hole I have in my chest? Yeah. I feel empty. It's a literal pain. Yes. Yeah. I didn't, that was new. Why would we know? Right. We're not psychologists. Correct. We're not studying the human psyche and how, what we go through mm -hmm. and how we respond to it. Mm -hmm. We're just living it in real time. Yes. So no, it's not naivete. It's firsthand experience for the first time. And that's what a therapist is for, to help us navigate this. So did I give myself grace? And how did I give myself grace? Because in moments of sadness, again, life doesn't stop. So what did I do when my kids are around? I I would just go shower. It's yeah. the only place I could be alone. Yeah. Cry it out. Yeah. Come out with my eyes looking like two big old tomatoes. <laughs> Cry. I never... I can scream or punch the wall. But like I legitimately would get on the on the floor in my shower and just cry like 20 minutes. Yeah. Let it out. Compose myself and then continue to be the mom that they need me to be and push forward. That was my only out. I'm blessed with amazing friends. And it's not just for you. They love your children and they know your children Absolutely. don't need to see that too. Absolutely. And that they want to give your kids something positive because your kids are going through something too. Mm -hmm. They want to give kids a positive experience, something to be happy about. Yeah. Yeah. And my kids are happy kids. Mm -hmm. They really are. They, they've had a great life thus far. And it's my goal in life to continue that. I don't want that because this is happening. But then that's also where therapy co comes in. Because they also need to work through their emotions. They're not going to tell me everything they're feeling. They're not. So I've tried to leave the communication channels open. But I mean, I was a teenager. I know. Even if my parents told me, you know, feel free to come tell me anything. I wasn't going to tell them everything. So Plus you don't want to make your parents feel bad for breaking up. I can attest to this. Right. You're mad at them. Mm -hmm. You're like, why couldn't y'all figure this out? <laughs> right. And the kids, unfortunately, the kids mm -hmm. don't get to know the ins and outs of it, nor, in my opinion, should they until they are much older mm -hmm. and might be able to handle it. But right now, where your children are, and I was not far from their age when my parents divorced, mm -hmm. I was not equipped to handle the adult matters that were going on and dissolving their marriage. Right. And great thing about 
what that is that you're doing. And I'm going to, I'm going to stack on extra grace for you is that you're doing exactly what my mom did. She was, she remained strong. She remained as transparent as she could be mm -hmm. for us. But we, I think maybe grew up in a cheaper house than you did. And she even wailed in the shower. We would have heard her. So instead she wailed when she thought we were asleep and we weren't asleep. So we could also tell she was trying to hide it. As much as she us. could, right. We could tell that she was clearly going through a lot, but she was trying to shield us from just how much she was suffering because we were suffering and she knew that we didn't have the mature reasoning to process everything that was happening going it. on. And then on top of that, see your mom devastated, mm -hmm. right? So much like you, she would, she had friends who would come and take us and do mm -hmm. things with us and keep ha help us have positive experiences. Mm -hmm. And she would, when it got messy, which it was every day, there was something that was messy, but she would always end the day on a good note, reading us a chapter book from like Anne of Green Gables or Narnia or something, some storybook that really captivated us and gave us something positive to go to bed thinking about. Mm -hmm. Those are the small things that moms do to hold it all together. And for the dads out there too, and especially if there's any single dads or dads in general that are going through something difficult, also trying to help their family. Mm -hmm. um, those are the things that parents do. And you've got to try to end your night on a good note because the day might have been trash, but <laughs> okay, tomorrow's a new day. And if that day's trash, try to end it on as best a note you can. Mm -hmm. That's great advice, actually. I, For me, it's hard. Like at the end of the day, I'm so drained. I don't necessarily do that, what you're mentioning. Well, it's different. <laughs> Now I'm gonna I'm gonna put on like some show that I like. No, I'm not gonna right. Really. No, but I, I I think that that's very important. I think it's a great advice to always try to end your day in a positive note, whatever that might be. It could be something very small. Yeah. But just to acknowledge the fact that it was a hard day, but we can try again tomorrow. Yeah. So that's absolutely something I'm going to apply to my life. So thank you. Yeah. Yeah, like super small. That's that's great. Something else that is new to me, had you asked me eight months ago if I knew what anxiety was? No idea. Anxious about anything, really. I was blessed and <laughs> blindsided. So now when I feel like, I, like I'm getting anxious, like physically I feel like a tingling on my chest. But it feels like a tingling sensation on my chest. And the stronger it gets, the more lightheaded I get. But it only happens like at certain times when yeah. it's like when I get really bad news or yeah. when I get told something that I'm not expecting or something like that. So when I get like that, I immediately call Melissa and Randana. Whatever they're doing, they stop and they always answer my call. Because they know if I'm calling without any notice, like if I'm not texting them, hey, is it okay if I call you? If it's just very random. Yeah. They know something's happening. Not those girls in your corner were like, right. I got you. And they just hear me out. Yeah. I cry it out if I need to cry it out. They hear me out. They validate that what I'm feeling is legit. Yeah. Like I'm not overreacting. Yeah. And Even if you are. True. Even if you are, you need a, you need a safe space to overreact. Right. Right. Which and know that it won't be held against you. And funny you say that because the other day I was telling Melissa something. I was like, listen, I'm telling you this because I know this is a safe space and it's not going to live this yeah. place. This is how I feel. And she acknowledged that and she, you know, she gave me her opinion and we had a great conversation. Yeah. So definitely having people in your corner 
that will be there for you no matter what, in my case, has definitely made a difference. If I didn't have them in my corner, I, I don't even know where I would be today. Not everyone needs that. I, I mm-hmm. admire the people who don't, but I need somebody to be a sounding board mm-hmm. for me. Especially because the loneliness of grief is way too heavy. And you can't, I can't endure that alone. So even if there's no human that understands losing a child, I, because of my faith, mm-hmm. I have someone that I can speak to who does understand what it means to lose a child, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So there's not a complete loneliness there, but it helps to have someone physically that you mm-hmm. can talk to, whether they know what it means to lose a child or not, mm-hmm. um, then that's, that's beside the point. So long as they can just hold... Oh, I hate that term. I'm, I'll explain why when we go through this. But mm-hmm. just let you feel what you need to feel without judgment. Mm-hmm. That's key. And I have something to say about that, but I'll finish yeah. you know, my great section and we'll get to that. Yeah. I also drink tea or coffee. Don't come at me for the coffee. I'm never going to admit how much coffee I drink to anyone. I don't need the judgment. Yeah. I love coffee. It just soothes me. It makes me feel good. Yeah. It just I'm Puerto Rican. Do I require robe on right now? <laughs> sometimes I take I sometimes I finish a cup of coffee and I'm like, I want more coffee. And I go get some more coffee. Sometimes. Sometimes. Not every time. This is literally every day for me. I think I drink more than you. Really? Mm. I usually have like three or four cups a day. Same. I put on a fresh pot before you got here because I, I could smell the coffee when I came in. I was like, hmm, smells amazing. And I offered you one. Yeah. I should have got some coffee. No, it's okay. We'll have the wine and then I'll have the coffee. <laughs> so as everybody knows at this point, my number one self-care is a warm shower and a facial. Yeah. I, every time I feel like juru, that's the one thing I will push myself to do because it just makes me feel great. I say, washing my face is my thing too. Yes. Like, and then I have, I don't know if you've heard my first podcast, but I have a mini fridge in my room and I keep all my skincare in there oh my god i keep my eye things in the fridge which feels amazing when you put your eye gel things that go under your eyes on your eyes it feels great and helps with the puffiness so i've done that but i did not think about all of oh i put everything in my fridge except maybe vitamin c i don't put it in my fridge and the retinol i don't put it in my fridge so there's a few certain things but like my moisturizers and my oh yes skincare to give that a try. <laughs> I'll take a picture and I'll send it to you. It's really great. So sometimes I take, sometimes I drink coffee, take a shower, do my skincare, and then I have more coffee. Like it just, it makes me feel great. So, I mean, maybe I don't feel great, but I, I the comfort of it all I mean, makes it makes me feel taken care of. Yes, yes. Like no one else is gonna. Yeah. And I love. It's like my number one thing. And sleep. I'm sorry, what is that? Sleep. I haven't heard of it. Yeah, it's, it's this thing that I get to do when I take my legs off. <laughs> yeah, that's because your kids are older. They also sleep. I've seen sleep since 2016. So eventually, maybe in another five or six years, I'll know what that's like. I feel you. <laughs> and that doesn't help. So I sometimes I can't tell. Am I just sad? Is this my in my grief rage, or am I just tired, exhausted? Because it's not even and tired. The line, the line is so <laughs> I cannot tell. I just feel like such a cranky pants all the time. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful my husband is a patient man because I'm like <laughs> I'm shocked I'm still married. Right. <laughs> because I'm not. It's hard. I know I'm intense. I'm a lot. Yeah. I'm a lot. 
I mean, every every spouse has got their quirks, and he right. has his grumpy moments too. But I feel like mine are just more intense. Right. I think. I mean, not to take away from the men at all, but I think the connection between a mother and a child will always because the we, neediness is a little bit more. Right, and and we were created to nurture. Yeah. Like that's our core nature. Yeah. So and we carry those babies in our bodies. We created that life inside of us. So there's always gonna be a connection between a mother and a child that might not necessarily be between a father and a and their kid. Sure. Um, and I, again, I'm not trying to take away from their relationship. No. Obviously, there are some amazing fathers out there, and even even mothers who haven't had the the opportunity to carry the kids. There's something about the mother in general that I think is there's innately children just want to know like this person I've talked to so many friends of mine who's and this is not a podcast about parenting sorry we're digressing (laughs) but I've talked to so many mothers and fathers who like did will go to the mom for everything immediately I've told people this time and again I could be showering cooking dinner giving birth washing my face (laughs) and my husband could be sitting there twiddling his thumbs and the kid would still come and be like can you wipe my butt you have a perfectly capable parent right there dude why me and it's like they they, there's something there and I can't put my finger on it Mm -hmm. but kids just know mom will respond right that's also sometimes annoying but you know (laughs) not that the dads won't respond I guess they just I don't know what it is it's just there it's just I don't know you're right. There's something there. <laughs> anyway. How do you give yourself grace when you're feeling down and sad? Initially, I don't know how client, I had a weird relationship with this. I think a more unique relationship with this than most people do. Most moms do, mainly because when I became a mom, I knew and had heard from many friends that moms suffer with guilt. And that really pissed me off because I thought, wait, we go through how much just to feel bad about ourselves all the time? No. No, I'm not going to be doing that. I do not accept guilt. And so I would mess up constantly. Every parent does. I would be messing up as, as a new mom and messing up and messing up and messing up. And I still do. And I basically tell myself, and I have since I became a mom, because I made a, a concerted effort mm-hmm. to not be hard on myself when I do things wrong as a parent. Mm-hmm. That's not to say I don't ever feel guilty. I absolutely do. But I don't give it too much power when it washes over me. I let the wave of guilt wash over me and thank God for vocal children because they'll say a little something that lets me know I haven't completely messed up and that they are redeemable. And I also talk to my own mother openly about all the things that went wrong because if anyone knows mom guilt, it's my mom. Right. And I talk to her about it and I, similar to what I said about at the end of the day, do something that puts a positive light on the day as a whole. I pretty much choose to deliberately forgive myself from my own heart and talk to myself. I, what, you, what did you call it the one time you had a staff meeting? You were like, if I'm talking to myself, don't bother me. I'm having a staff meeting. Right, right. <laughs> I have my staff meeting at the end of the day without actually talking to myself. And it's just this internal mm-hmm. dialogue in my thoughts of like, yeah, you definitely could have handled that. Or you lost your cool way too easily on them. They didn't deserve that. Or, this is going to be really depressing, I'll go watch old videos or look at old pictures of them as, like, a baby or something. Mm-hmm. Like, so, tomorrow, think of this video. Think of this little picture. That's who you're talking to. Have more patience. I know they're irritating. I know they ask the same thing 20 times. I know they forget that you told them that thing, like, two seconds ago. Mm-hmm. And they did it anyway. Like, you're cool. So, it's the mom 
really that's where I give myself the most grace is in that mom phase. But when it came to sadness and grief, one of the first things I was told when I was going through it was don't um, don't be afraid to cry in front of your kids. I think I took that too seriously. <laughs> um, so either I took it too seriously or it really just was that overwhelming. Oh, I'm sure it was that overwhelming. I mean, it's a huge loss. I could not control it most days. And what happened is I I took a month off. So this happened in December, early December of 2019. And right after the year turned over into 2020, I went back to work. And then two months later, or is it three months? Three months later in April of 2020, we were sent home to work from home because mm -hmm. the pandemic had just revved up. And so then I was home all the time. Granted, I did have childcare at the time, but I was home with them a lot more. And whereas I used to be able for about three months, I could cry out on the way to work and on the way home. And I had a space to do that. But then they were underfoot all the time. Mm -hmm. I can't hide it from them anymore. Right. It's just here. So I pretty much said, you know what? My circumstance is a bit unique and that's no one's fault. And this is heartbreaking and this is sad. And eventually right. I'm going to find my footing and eventually this will not be over as overwhelming. But there's that analogy in grief. I don't know if you've heard of it. It helped me so much when someone pointed it out to me, which is that picture a, a cube, right? There's a cube and that is you. You are the cube. And inside of that cube is this really big ball that when you first experience grief, the ball is so big inside that it's touching every side of the cube. And no matter what part of the cube, no matter how much you how, move, how it tries to move, it's that, touching. It's the, triggering mm -hmm. the grief because mm -hmm. it's so big, it's so heavy, it's so massive. Mm -hmm. And the grief never leaves that ball. Once it's in that, or the grief never leaves the cube. Once mm -hmm. the grief is in the cube, it's always there. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't always stay so big. In time, the ball starts to get smaller and it's always moving in the cube but it's as it gets smaller it touches the side of the cube less and less and less and mm -hmm. so it triggers the cube less and less and less so my ball was very very big for a long time it was, mm -hmm. it was I was constantly being triggered by literally everything mm -hmm. and now it's at a much more manageable size and it doesn't hit the sides of the cube as much anymore mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so I, when I saw that analogy, I thought to myself, okay, that's where I'm going to focus. And if I, if that ball hits one of the sides of my cube, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It's no one's fault. It just happened. Let that wave of grief wash over me. Because if you try to fight in a storm, you try to fight the waves, you're going to drown. Right. Go with the wave. Let it wash over you and let it go. Let the feelings be felt. Feel it for what it is and then just come Move down on. from it. Mm -hmm. Come down from it. Deep. Let it, let it go. And that's the only way that I got through it was just really not fighting it. And acknowledging that what you felt yeah, not, needed to be felt. Right. Mm -hmm. Not running from it. Right. There's right. this, uh, another analogy I saw was about a bison. And I don't know if anyone knows this about a bison. If you think about how, like a buffalo, how they are built, they're very straight forward in the front and then their their size tapers off in the back it goes down mm -hmm. so what they do in nature is bison if they know a storm is coming they walk towards it okay. and they keep walking towards it because if you walk towards the storm and go the opposite direction of it you get through it faster very true okay cool i'm not going to fight the waves but i'm definitely going to like turn towards the storm Right. And just let the way let the storm happen. I'll be chasing it'll be chasing me forever. It's I did run from it for a hot minute. Yeah. I ran from it. My kids didn't see me cry for a very long time. But it's always gonna catch up with you. It it did. It did. Yeah. A hundred percent. So now that we all know, 
we've all cried in front of each other at one point or the other. Yeah. We know how we all feel. Yeah. And I try, again, I try to keep the communication very open and to acknowledge the fact that what they're feeling is okay and okay. it's valid. Work through it. However you think you need to work through it. If you feel like you need to be alone, I can respect that. If you want to talk it out, that works too. If you just need to, me to sit next to you and we'll watch a movie that has nothing to do with anything, I'll do that. And that, that's a segue that takes me to, to my next set of questions. Mm-hmm. Things I don't like to hear when I'm feeling sad or down. I understand that people mean well, but I, I'm at a point right now, today, and I heard this this phrase from a girl on TikTok. I think her name is Elise Myers. Oh, I love Elise Myers. I, so it was her. And I heard her say a few weeks ago, she's like, I'm not going to receive that. That's why I said that. I don't accept that. I don't receive it. I was like, why haven't I been doing that? Right? Genius. That's my energy now. Yeah. If I'm not ready to receive whatever you got to give me, or whatever you think I need to be given, I'm going to let you know. I mean, in a respectful and nice manner, I'm not here trying to be mean or disrespectful to anybody, but it got to a point where a lot of people were messaging me and calling me Yeah. and I was just ignoring it. And I contacted Melissa and I was like, I need you to handle this, please. Because I don't want to put my phone on D&D. Yeah. I'm expecting phone calls from numbers that I don't have saved on my phone. So right. me having like a list of emergency people that calls can come through will do nothing. Right. Because if I miss that call... Right. How am I going to get back to it? You know what I mean? It's like, I need you to please handle this. Mm-hmm. Communicate to everybody that I'm not ready to talk, answer, listen to anything. I just can't. Yeah. So she did. And everybody that was trying to talk to me, they meant well. They were just worried and making sure that the kids and I were well and offering their help, bring food. Like It wasn't that they were just calling me to find out information. They were really worried about our well-being. I just wanted to make sure that we didn't need anything. Yeah. But at that time, I wasn't ready to receive that. Yeah. I just didn't. I don't, I don't want to talk to anybody. And you have the added level of embarrassment. So it's so funny that you say that. You know, I've never told anybody that. I've never shared that with anybody. I haven't even said that out loud. But that was, that is one huge thing I feel. I feel ashamed. Mm-hmm. I feel embarrassed. I feel guilty. Nothing I did. I didn't do anything, but how did I not know, right? So, And I only know that because of my own family's history and how our family fell apart, how, what my mom felt. She felt that way as well? Tremendously embarrassed. Mm. And just even people learning about my own sisters have both been divorced. They say that when your marriage is no longer there, you feel like a failure. You, as an adult, couldn't figure it out. You mm-hmm. make it work. Right. Forget the complications of what's your circumstance. That's just the bare minimum mm-hmm. of, of where embarrassment can come from with a divorce. Right. But then you've got added factors mm-hmm. to it. And I didn't mean to call you out. I, I felt pretty confident that was there. And I put myself in your shoes and I'm like, I would feel, not that I would need or need to feel that way. Right. But I wouldn't be able to help it. That was literally my second feeling. My third feeling. First, I was hurt. Second, I was angry. And third, I was so embarrassed. How do I even talk about this? My friends and my uncle have been holding my hand this entire process. And I told my oldest daughter yesterday, I don't want our relationship to be strained. So today, starting today, we're not sweeping anything under the rug anymore. When we need to talk, we will talk. 
We will not text. We won't call. We will talk in person and figure it out. And if I need to apologize for anything that I may have done that hurt you or upset you or made you feel any way, I will absolutely do that. Same thing with you. If maybe you said something that made me feel any particular way, I'm going to let you know. And then as adults, we can just make our relationship stronger. Yeah. Because I think it's more in the Hispanic community. We're taught that we can we can handle anything. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what comes your way. You're supposed to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Put some Vicks on it. Mm-hmm. And move on. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, and communication is not huge in the general sense. In the, I'm going to speak of Puerto Rican community. I mean, you, you do get your exceptions. Every community. Right. Yeah. But in general, this talking talking feelings out, that's not a thing. It's not. Yeah. No, I've learned that from you and all of our other coworkers that mm-hmm. we used to work with because I was the minority in that. <laughs> yeah. I've, right. That's, I would agree with that. It's a lot more of, in America, we're called minority cultures, mm-hmm. even though I think they should... This next census, I'm going to double check and make sure the white people are still the majority because I don't think we are. <laughs> but um, right. a lot of minority cultures, in my opinion, have had to endure a lot more. So mm-hmm. that, that culture is bred, that, that mind frame is bred into mm-hmm. and has become a part of those cultures. So I can imagine that in your circle, especially if, it's, if your parents have come from that, that it's unfamiliar territory. It's really hard not to take that personal right. when they don't have your back like that because they personally have no experience supporting you and they, they literally don't know how and they kind of freeze like oh I right. this Vix doesn't fix this right what are what am I supposed to do Vix and socks is not the cure for this no. illness no it's not <laughs> and that's and so it's it's not to say that they are not smart it's a skill to be able to certainly it's a skill that you need to develop it's an uncomfortable thing yeah. to just sit there and let something be awful and gross mm-hmm. and hard. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult, and yeah. but it's so necessary. Absolutely. And similar to you, not every member of my family, but people that I thought were not there for us at our darkest hour. And that's hard. It was, and at the same time that it hurt and it stung, we had people coming out of the woodwork that we were like. I never would have expected this person to care so much. Right. And that touches you in a place you didn't even expect. And mm-hmm. my husband and I decided, we were like, listen, family is who shows up. Family is not necessarily blood. Biological family is. But family that you forward and share mm-hmm. your life with, that's that's who shows up. Mm-hmm. That's who really, you can create your own family. And it is a bond that can't really break. And there's been some, for every Ying, there's a yang, for lack of a better term, I can't think how else to say that, but for every grievance and every terrible thing that someone goes through, there is a counterbalance on in positive side of that. And that is all these extra people who are loving on you that you didn't expect mm-hmm. to correct to love you. Your bouquet sitting at my daughter's at the foot of my daughter's casket. We did not expect that. And of all the people that I thought I don't even remember if there was a call or text, nor did I didn't pick up my phone. Similar to you, because I was like, I cannot I handle can't, that. Can't do it. I can't talk to anybody. I can't even breathe. Mm-hmm. I felt like my mom was literally breathing for me because she would make me get up in the morning and she'd look at me and she'd say, go brush your teeth. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's a glass of water. When you finish that, here's a cup of coffee. Here's a piece of bread. Like, and she was your checklist. Oh my gosh, she, I couldn't do anything, let alone talk to anyone, you know? 
And yeah. so that's also been the case in my yeah. in my experience. Another thing I don't, and I'm not even gonna apologize. If I'm sharing something with you, yeah. I'm not asking you for your advice. I'm not asking you how you think. I'm asking you how you feel. I'm literally just sharing something with you. Receive that. I mean, I will let you know ahead of time. Yeah. I'd be like, here, I'm going to share something with you. I'm just sharing. I don't need to hear what you would do in my shoes, what you think the kids should be doing. I don't want to hear it. Mm -hmm. Just, I'm not receiving that. Nor are you necessarily qualified. Right. Because they might not know the entire story. They don't. So I might be telling you, I might be telling you yeah. a little piece, but you don't really have all the context. Yeah. So if I'm sharing something with you and I'm telling you I'm just going to share, I'm not asking for advice or comments, yeah. just take that, yeah. receive it, and keep it to yourself. Yeah. I don't need to. I have my therapist. Yeah. I'm good. I don't need you to give me anything I'm not asking you for. And the onus a little bit, I would say, and this is what really is so crummy about being in the position of the griever, the person who is sad. We end up being the comforter immediately because everyone else is so, they're also affected by what you're going through. And they are the ones who apologize if they cry around you or if they are, if they say something they don't think they should. And you have to in turn comfort them because they're feeling uncomfortable and they don't know how to deal with it and da 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 da. And you're constantly taking care of others who are affected by your grief. Which is exactly why I stopped. Right. And it's that's a hard thing to navigate with grace because we have to see that they, we know they don't mean anything by it, but it gets really exhausting to finally, to constantly make excuses. And that's where some of the onus comes on us of setting that boundary like you're doing and letting them know perhaps ahead of time. Because if we don't preface with, I don't need anything from you. I just need to get this off my chest. Do you think you can listen? Right. They say yes. Then we can hold them to that. Mm -hmm. Because if they start overstepping, that's where we can hold them to that mm -hmm. and say, I appreciate it, but I was clear. And I really, that's not helpful for me to receive right now. And I don't have the bandwidth for that. I don't have the capacity to deal with your projection of your. I used to explain. I used to say all that. Yeah. Because I don't, I'm not here to her feelings. No. I'm not here to come across as entitled or rude, but I'm tired. Fair. I'm so tired. Yeah. So are your feelings valid? 120%. Am I ready to receive it though? Because yeah. it might be helpful. I'm just not ready to receive that yet. And that makes all the difference. Right. Yeah. Because it's like what you were just talking about the end of the day and ending the day in a positive note, even if you had a hard day. Yeah. That's fantastic advice and I hadn't even thought about something so simple as that yeah. so I will absolutely apply it yeah. was I asking for your advice no it just came up then mm -hmm. there's a difference when it comes out genuinely without you seeking it yeah. or initiating a conversation going after something like that yeah and when you're sharing something so deep raw and painful and then people immediately turn into a therapist and a psychologist and do this or do that. People want to, they want to help. And they also, right. they want to relate. It's a natural human response to mm -hmm. want to be able to relate to somebody. But honestly, people who are in the midst of such sadness, no matter the reason, they don't really want real company because that would mean that someone else would have to really have hurt. And that saying of, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy, 
Very real. Legit. Very real. Mm -hmm. And we don't need you to be able to relate to us. We just need to know that we're safe to feel whatever we want to feel without making you uncomfortable. And the recipient of our conversation is also allowed to draw a boundary and say, I can't take that. I go to. I I'm not you. ready to receive that. And that's okay. I love you, but like, please, I don't want to cause you further pain mm -hmm. by not handling this well. And mm -hmm. I don't think I'm going to handle this well. And I've had friends who've done that. But to loop back to what you had said about things that you don't like that people say, like people are saying the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that people don't realize is that you actually can just say nothing. You can ask a simple question. I can, again, I can speak to my mm -hmm. grief specifically because I do know a lot of people when it comes to love, they don't know what to say. You can just say simple things like, I'm happy to see you today. Or I'm glad to see you. Mm -hmm. Or would you like a hug? Or very simple, don't offer anything besides what the question, what can I do for you? I don't I don't know what I need. I don't know. Don't ask me what can I, if you need anything, call me. I'm probably not going to do that. Right. I'm probably not. It's not, that's not a helpful thing to say. It's, it's a real part. Like right. it's, say her name. I right. want to talk about her. Right. Ask me about her. She existed. She's real. Right. She's my every day. Every day. She's in my home. I, I see her in my mind. Mm -hmm. Like she's here. Right. You know, bringing it as a, like trying to Cat minimize, like, right? Oh, don't say that the them who shall not be named. Like name them, <laughs> name them. They existed. They were real. They mattered. In right. the same time, gauge your audience. One thing I will say, and I hope not every parent. I don't want to speak for every parent, but I do know there's a large majority of us out there, especially those in who are have a faith based family. Mm -hmm. Do not, if you can help yourself, do not ever say to a parent again who has lost a child. That God just needed another angel. Oof. Man, if I had words, I remember that hearing that so much. And I would be like, you know what? He's God. If he needed another angel, he could make one. And what, you, what, regardless of your reasoning and how you personally feel about that, it's not necessarily a helpful statement to say to a grieving parent that this is the reason. Like, no, you don't know the reason. Right. Don't, right. don't speak for God. Right. You know, you don't know that. I've gotten the, the, oh, I'm sorry you're going through this, but things will get better. I mean, I hope. God doesn't give you anything you can't handle. Like, I mean, I hope it gets better, but you telling me that is not making me feel better. So at the beginning, I was very, I was tippy-toeing a lot when people offered their opinion or said something, maybe a comment. Today, I don't receive. And I'm going a step farther. Whatever energy you're giving me, you're going to get right back. You're giving me minimum energy. That's exactly what you're going to get back. Yeah. Because I am not going to be this amazing friend, this amazing woman, this above all individual to everybody when I can barely stand on my own two feet. If yeah. you're not matching that energy and giving me your best version yeah. of yourself. Well, when you're so, you're tapped, like you are right. tapped out of everything you have to offer. So it's not like you're going to be. But even though, anything. even though I am tapped out. Yeah. I was still trying to be. For those who's worth it. Right. Yeah. But sometimes even to people that didn't give me the same level of respect in the relationship. Yeah. So I'm done. Yeah. I'm done. 
And it doesn't mean I'm going to be a bad friend or that I'm not going to talk to you. Yeah. Again, whatever energy you give me is what you're going to receive from me. If you are the type of friend that you're going to reach out to me once every six weeks and you're going to be like, hey, how are you? How are things? Everything's good. Yeah. We're fine. Yeah. Right. I, right. It's a hard time, but we're getting through it. Yeah. You're not going to get a full rundown of what has happened in the last six weeks just because you can only text me every six you know what i mean yeah like no well for yourself of course but also for your children because you're responsible for managing your own bandwidth and you're spread really thin and when you and talk about these things i mean at least for me because i'm going through it mm -hmm. at the moment it's not like it already happened and i'm just healing mm -hmm. it drains me yeah like every time That's i finish a podcast I go cry at home for like an hour. I really do because I'm going through it and I'm, yeah. I'm letting all my emotions out. Yeah. I'm talking about it. But that's what I mean. But I feel healing as well. That, yeah, and that's kind of what I mean is that your mental health is way too precious to be exhausting and spending. The, there's this saying, it's biblical of course, but um, it says don't cast your pearls before swine. It's talking mm. about a different uh, pearl as far as faith is concerned. But right. It's, we have our own as, as human beings, we have our mm -hmm. own precious pieces of information that mm -hmm. only need to be shared with those who will really treasure it. Right. And even if it's messy. Right. say, oh my God, thank you for sharing that, for letting me into that private space right. that is only, it's sacred. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to dismiss that. I'm going to care for that with the utmost. And you didn't waste it on me. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to value that and I'll continue to value that and mm -hmm. I'm not just going to not talk to you now for eight years of course I'm gonna I'm on this journey with you mm -hmm. those are the people that you let in otherwise surface level only I did I recall just now I wanted to speak to it about the rug with you and your daughter how you're talking about nothing is swept under the rug anymore in my home up until all of the family trauma when I was a child came out into mm -hmm. light there were so many secrets. It was so secretive. Really? And they, basically my mom said afterwards, uh, after we go through our trauma and we go through all our therapy, she's like, no more rugs. Theoretical rugs, out the window. Yes. No more rugs. We don't have rugs in our house. That's where I'm at. And everything's out in the open. And I've been like that ever since because, and maybe that's why I re even responded to my grief the way that I did when I did lose my daughter as an adult, mm -hmm. was because as a child, the trauma and the loss that I had been through, not in the same way, of course, but I had already been predisposed to a healthy response for problem solving. Right. And I was not going to let any of it fester or breed underwards. Like, like secrets are the termites of a family. Mm -hmm. Just, you don't need them. It, do it doesn't bring anything positive. No. It doesn't. And I told Leila, the rest of the world can have zero problem solving skills. Us, this family, yeah. the five of us, mm -hmm. we will have so such amazing communication. People will be jealous of how amazing it is. Mm -hmm. We have to work through it. It's a process. Mm -hmm. So it's not like we're going to have results next week. Right. But with the right approach and the right attitude, we can get so far. Because society nowadays, it's all about, oh, what people see online, cute outfits, pretty hair, this, this, and that. But people are not focusing on the core values right. and the importance of problem solving. Yeah. So to give you some perspective here, because I'm correlating ever since, and what your listeners don't know is ever since I've met you, I've told you, you remind me of my mom. Mm -hmm. 
and my I come from a mother of four children, so family of six with mom, dad, and four kids. Mm -hmm. I'm the youngest of four, so I would be, uh, I don't know, does everyone know your kids' names? I've, I've mentioned them before. Leila, Sammy, Marlies, and Mia. I'm in Mia's place, even though I'm a lot more like Marlies than anyone else. <laughs> My sassy one. Yeah, your sushi-loving one. So I've, there's always been a kinship there. I've, I've always identified with that. And if this gives you any solace, my son is right outside there the door. There you go. It's a family podcast. Can, it sure is. Um, We're almost done. If it gives you, if it gives you any solace, you know, I, I was nine, and I think what is Mia ten? Mia's twelve. Twelve. She just turned twelve. So yeah. my oldest, I think, was uh, my mom's oldest was thirteen, nine to thirteen, somewhere in there, when. Um, all of our family trauma went down mm -hmm. and she basically similar to you was like, no, we're going to figure this out. Right. We will be stronger after this. No more secrets. Um, do it. I'm sweeping the house, clean this out and we're starting afresh. And this is our new habit and these are our new things and we are going to be healthy. And it was more of a mental health that she emotional and mental health that we were going to be mm -hmm. not just physical. And this is proof positive because when you thought of someone who knew how to deal with grief or mm -hmm. trauma or loss, it was someone who had been through something not too distant from what you're going through right now right, right. as a child, you know? And you know why? I didn't even think of that yeah. when I thought of you. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure subconsciously I did. Because, I mean, I know. Yeah, you I do. know your you, story. But a lot of it is because my mom handled it the way you're handling your family right now. That should be encouragement. As that's how I, I feel... Them. I feel like I'm doing my best. You're doing I'm sure amazing. at some point, maybe I've managed certain things, maybe not the best way. But again, it's we're just going through the motions, and I'm not doing anything out of spite or negative energy. I'm just working with the tools that I'm giving and trying to figure it out as things are happening. So in that sense, have I handled everything perfectly? Absolutely not. But who who does? Well, you can't. Because it's uncharted territory. Right. I'm, I'm managing you. new waters. Like right. I, I'm doing my best. And I, I'm proud of what I've been able to accomplish this far. But it hasn't come without tears. Without feeling devastated, broken. Without feeling like I have this giant hole in my chest every day. But I just push through it. Yeah. And I just take it day by day. Sometimes I take it hour by hour. I mean, how else? I don't know. A single person who could wander through a dark, treacherous place with no flashlight and not trip. That's what you're doing. So are you good, just going to stay on the floor and not keep walking? No, you've got your kids in tow. You're going to figure it out. You're going to get to the end of that tunnel. You're going to find the light. Right. But right now, it's pretty dark. Super dark. Pitch but black. I, I can, but yeah, I can tell you from experience, having been one of the kids in tow, mm -hmm. like if you're anything like my mom, which from the moment I met you, I know I said this, mm -hmm. you are, find a way to right. navigate your family to help. Absolutely. You're a remarkable mom. God has. And she had the same guide. God is exactly. the one that has held my hand. He's a good, kind, forgiving God because I am far from perfect. He's still there right. every day. For me to lift me up every time I feel like I can't do it anymore. Sometimes I say, "Oh my God, I'm so tired. Like I'm done. I don't. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want that to come across as I'm giving up on life." Of course not. That's not it at all. But I just feel tired. Like, do I even want to go through this divorce? Do I want to finish this paperwork? Do I want to send eighty documents to my lawyer? No, I don't want to. The minute that I told I had to divulge some abuse that had happened to me in my home mm -hmm. growing up mm -hmm. 
And my mom told me, I had no recollection of this, but she told me later in life, she goes, oh, the minute that it all came out and stuff started falling apart and mm-hmm. every all the proceedings ha- started happening, mm-hmm. you started downplaying what you had told, the truth you had told. Really? Mm-hmm. Because even as a kid, that's a natural response. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that bad. It's it's okay. Like Because it starts blowing the heck up and everything right. is going wrong and it gets really serious really fast. And, and overwhelming. And then, and then you're like, wait, wait, I don't I don't want to do this. Like, mm-hmm. this is too hard. I don't want to. And it's true what they say. The harder the battle, the greater the reward. Mm-hmm. Like, it really, you come out so ironclad. Like, you are so remarkably strong having navigated things like this in life. Mm-hmm. If you just hold on. And that's not to and say. And that's my hope. It's not to say that it's not hard. Shoot, I had had baby blues to postpartum depression with my first my Mm -hmm. second was fine none of that then I got postpartum depression after I had my third and then that third died Mm -hmm. the depression was terrifying I can't even imagine and had I not life-threatening terrifying really and had I not held on and endured I, I wouldn't even be having this conversation right now oh my faith is what got me through it but that's not to say that I wasn't tempted. Of course. Because oh, we're human. It's tempted. our human side. I was tempted to give the F up. Because, mm-hmm. man, who wants to feel that? Right. Every day, relentlessly, you wake up and it's still not there. Right. She's still not there. And there's literally nothing you can do to fix nothing. So helpless. Mm-hmm. So helpless, so bleak, so dark. And then I started changing my perspective to be one day further away from her to one day closer to the other half of my Mm -hmm. life and getting closer to her again eventually. Because I have this visual in my head. I keep thinking of the Hunger Games where they're in this this big enclosed space that they can't get out of. But instead of it just being a dome, I imagine it like a really, really thick concrete wall, like thicker than the Great Wall of China thick. Okay. It's just this really thick concrete wall. And the minute that she passed, I was on the other side. I was all of a sudden separated from her, but I didn't want to get up and walk away from the wall because I'm like, this is as close to her as I can be. And you don't want to move forward with life. You don't want life to keep going Mm -hmm. because you're like, I just want to stay here. I don't want to have to like put her nursery away. Right. Put her nursery away, put her things away, not have her little play area out Mm -hmm. or put her bottles away or put her Her clothes, give give her formula away. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to be doing any of that. I'm getting further away from her. Mm -hmm. And I had to change my perspective eventually and realize I'm not getting further away from her down here. I'm just going to get closer to her up there. And every birthday that passes, every milestone that passes, just one day closer to when I'll see her again. Not everyone has that faith. That may not be comforting to everyone, but that's what gets me through. Mm -hmm. But you can only do that because you grieved and you went through the motions, like mm-hmm. you went through the hardest part. Right. Because had you suppressed all of those feelings, you wouldn't be here today. Thinking that way. Oh, yeah. There's this one thing I saw of a woman who was saying that her son had gone through, it was it came close to death with her son in the situation he was in in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And she, it, he was in the ICU, and it was like months and months of just constant ebb and flow, and his condition constantly mm-hmm. fluctuated, and it was stressful for her. And she said that his doctor pulled her aside at one point and said, you know, when this is all over, you're going to fall apart. And she didn't understand it. She's like, yeah, got it. Fall apart. I'll write that down <laughs> in my planner. And he's like, no, listen, you're going to fall apart. 
because when the dust settles, you're going to realize just how much you went through in this season, how bad it was, how dark it was, and how much you overcame, and it's going to be overwhelming. When the water eases and, 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 and you know the storm safe. is no longer a category five. And you know you're safe. Right. You're going to be like, the PTSD might set in and you'll be like, what the F just happened? Mm -hmm. You'll fall apart. Mm -hmm. And she's like, and then you'll be okay. And then you know you've made it through the storm. And she's like, that is true in every facet of every hardship that life has to offer. Mm -hmm. And I found so much comfort in that because I had that moment. And that was the guttural, I can't breathe, I'm crying so hard mm -hmm. moment. Mm -hmm. And I legit fell apart. And it was sadness for what I'd been through, but just finally getting to feel sadness for what I'd really lost. Mm -hmm. And just letting that be. Once, And it only happened once I was 100% alone. My husband wasn't there. My kids weren't there. Mm -hmm. It was just me and my father. And he was the only, that's the only person I could really cry to. Mm -hmm. Really feel safe with. Yeah. We all, I think we all have that person mm -hmm. for you as your dad. No, Heavenly Father, not my Oh, father. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so gosh. you weren't, so you were like literally alone. Yeah. Alone, alone. Because your spouse, of course, is always going to try to protect you and, yeah. and want to feel a little bit of, it's really hard for a husband, I think, to, for many husbands to watch their wives just literally be like, I can't do read. anything to make you feel better. And in the same respect, I would feel the same way about him. I would want to make it better. That's mm -hmm. the natural response. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I needed that to not be. I needed it to just be, right. okay, right. I'm right here. Right. I'm, I'm glad you had that. Because not everybody has had that, I'm sure. I mean, I haven't, I'm not there yet, but again, I'm still going through the motions and I have a lot more to go through before the divorce is even done. And that's not to say that I've made it through the storm. Grief is never, it never goes away. It never like goes said, away. That ball is always in there. Right. But I, I don't, I don't know how to explain that. It's just going to... I might have another flare-up. I might get another crash of uh, go through a storm and the waves will be again. Right. Um, but that was the first time. And I remember being shocked by the fact that I hadn't really bawled my eyes out and had that terrible, terrible moment with my grief because it had all just been so angry and sad, but really more angry. And you and had to be functioning. That's it. I had to... I knew in that moment when it happened that my kids were safe. I knew where they were. I mm -hmm. knew who was with them. Mm -hmm. And I had one errand all to myself. And in the midst of that errand, I had no control over it. It was as close to an anxiety attack as I've come. My heart rate increased. I literally had to calm myself down and tell myself, it's okay. You're okay. Right. She's okay. Like, it's, it's okay. like you have to breathe through it. I, I literally was yes. saying out loud. Because I was in a store. Yeah. Oh, you were in a store? I was in Bye Bye Baby. Wow. I was shopping for a baby shower. And I thought nothing of it. And it just overwhelmed me completely. And I was in her section of three to six months mm. looking at little girl clothes. Mm. And it just was, I was literally out of control. And my, out of control of the stopping the emotions. Right, right. I was standing there breathing, but bawling my right. eyes out the people were just kind of I think they must have thought I suffered from infertility or something <laughs> because I couldn't hold it together and they acted like nothing was going on and I wonder if they see that all the time you know maybe that's a common thing for them maybe but I just was beside myself wow. and then I as soon as I left that store it just 
rose up and I got in my van and the moment I shut that door, oof, out it came. So you weren't even home. Oh my gosh. I was, it was at night. I was in a parking lot and I had it out. And I I've had good cries out. in a parking lot. So oh I'm my not going to lie. It, so, it, felt, it felt so good. It was literally like I was in a pressure cooker and someone released the valve. And all that pressure yes, came out. Yes. I've, I've had that feeling. Yeah. Where I feel like I'm choking and drowning. Mm -hmm. I cry it out. And although I still feel sad. I mean, the sadness is not God. But the pressure mm -hmm. releases. Released. It goes down. I can, okay, now I can. And that's one thing I can say about women that I don't know if men, most men understand is that it feels good to release the pressure. And mm -hmm. that's what crying is for us. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a valve mm -hmm. that releases the pressure that's been building up for whatever we've been going through. It's hard. It's useful. <laughs> Heck yeah. You know, and that's why we have all of the, of the skincare stuff and the iPads <laughs> because it feels The puffiness, good, the puffiness. <laughs> But then there's a byproduct of how good that feels. And you need to reduce the redness. Right. <laughs> the puffiness, the eyes barely open. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Melatonin is great. It's been my best friend the last mm -hmm. few months. I'm a CBD girl myself. Yeah. I mean, I just, I need to learn. Because, I mean, I'm not just going to go to the store and just buy the first thing I see. You know, like, I, I'm the kind of person I have to educate myself. I have to do research. After I do the research and I figure out, okay, this could work. I've read reviews. I've read what it does. Then I'll go buy it. But I haven't done that yet. I need to. It was actually my boss that talked me into going to see a doctor. Oh, okay. Because my boss, I couldn't hold it together at work. Mm. And she was so gracious. And she basically said, have you talked to anyone about this? Mm -hmm. And I've been through therapy as a little girl. But as an adult woman, I hadn't really found a therapist. Mm -hmm. And I was really picky because my one as a little girl was stellar. To this day, I've never met a better therapist than her. Mm -hmm. And so, no, I didn't go to a therapist, but she said, at least go talk to somebody about maybe getting something to help you cope, to just cope with life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be Prozac or anything like that. Right. I'm more naturopathic in that respect, mm -hmm. but I at least wanted to just go talk to a doctor. Mm -hmm. And I was so, I remember being so shocked because I'd never really suffered with diagnosed mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and so she had me fill out this questionnaire and she was like, well, generally if you answer three or more, and I think it was like about nine things, she's like, then you're probably dealing with depression. And I answered eight according to oh, wow. I was like, oh, I might have a problem. <laughs> I might need some help. Ended up, what ended up happening is that she, I talked to the doctor about it and she was like, well, see, you don't have to get the CBD with the THC in it. Cause I basically was like, you know, I'm a mom. I can't be high all the time. <laughs> right. And so, so she's like, got you. And told me, she gave me the rundown on like how much you can have to like not, okay. not show up for drug screens at work and stuff like that. That's still fine. And it's legal and all mm -hmm. of that. And it was really, it was really helpful. Cause it definitely just took for me not wanting to stay naturopathic and not rely on it. Good. Yeah, so has it worked for you? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. It really has. That's great. I need to look into that. Mm -hmm. Like, seriously. Yeah. Like, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and just to close, yeah. we gave people already what we don't want to hear, how we feel, mm -hmm. how we manifest certain things. What do you think you heard while you were going through the process that helped you? I think you mentioned some things earlier where just sending you a text telling you I'm here for you. So I think in my case, for me, I don't need questions. Like you asking me, what do you, what do you need? Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. How am I supposed to know? I don't know what I need. Yeah. 
I don't know what I want. The last few days I've been getting text messages from Emma. You know Emma, right? Diane's daughter? Yeah. Yeah. And she just, random, during the day, she's like, just know you're you're amazing. <laughs> just, that's, that's it. That stuff is remarkable. It makes a difference. So I've had a few different friends that have come through in ways that I didn't expect. One friend who's a mom of, she had she and I had kids, same gender, same age. Oh, wow. We were like twins. Same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She has been so thoughtful and has come in in places that I, in moments where I never expected it and loved on me in such very specific ways that only a mom would get. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe even a mom in our circumstance of, of, this, of these children, these young children mm-hmm. and what we're dealing with in this moment in life. But the one that sticks out to me more than anything is similar to what Emma does with you is just saying, you're amazing, right? Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, I was having, it was around 11 at night, which used to be the time of night where I would get my older two to bed and it would be mine and my daughter's time to finally interface on the young patient one who mm-hmm. knows that like the toddlers don't have any patience. Mm-hmm. So I'd finally, that was my moment with her. And this night in particular, I was just really missing her. And I was very emotional. And all of a sudden, I just get this Facebook message from someone I don't, I don't know if I've even, I think I may have met her once. But we have had enough social media interaction to be like, this would be fine if I reached out to her, right? Uh-huh. She messages me two words, and I lost my mind. Ugh. All she said in her Facebook message was, she mattered. Oh, God. And it happened to be at a moment when I was aching so badly for her, mm-hmm. and then someone who I didn't even really talk to that much said was thinking of her and let me know that they were thinking of that. her mm-hmm. and just saying you're on my heart basically like mm-hmm. I'm your daughter existed she mattered she mm-hmm. lived you know and that is one thing that that I can at least speak to grieving parents about and that is that that is especially for even you know women who deal with infertility They've had a baby in their womb probably before. Mm-hmm. They've been a mother before. They right. are a mother. They right. just and I. That's why I think infertility and infant loss are grief cousins mm-hmm. because the end result is the same. Right. Empty arms. Mm-hmm. You know. So those sorts of things definitely help. I also had a friend. You know her, Norelli. Oh yeah. Who said she literally messaged me and said, "I don't know how to console you, but I can make you laugh." And she would send me the most ridiculous stuff on Instagram and tag me in it or send me, it it just always, she knew how to make Mm -hmm. me laugh and it was so useful. Mm -hmm. And still to this day, she'll do that. And that helps too, is making someone smile versus letting them know, doing something heartfelt, make them laugh. Right. Right. And you know what also helped? Silly. But it's a huge help. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I would, my doorbell would ring. And I would go, and it was food. I had a delivery oh. of food for my children. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm, am I eating? Probably not as much as I should be. But you also don't want to cook most nights. What? Yeah. I barely want to get up from my bed, much less cook. And if you know me, you know I've never been a cook. Yeah. Like, we, I mean, I'm not going to starve. Yeah. My children won't starve either, but... Because you're not very The kitchen... Yeah, no, it's <laughs> definitely not my domain. That was all Pedro. That was all him. One night, my husband... Or one weekend, my husband had to go to a bachelor party mm-hmm. in the month after she had passed. Oh, my God. 
and the some of the wives of the other men who were going to that bachelor party knew that I was going to be on my own with the kids, mm-hmm. and they said, "Hey, each night that he's gone, one of us is going to get you dinner." Oh, that's so amazing! You don't have to cook dinner. That's amazing. Those sorts of things. And it doesn't seem like a lot. Oh, it's a lot. A fifteen dollar pizza. That that's all I I because sometimes I don't have even the energy to order food on my phone. It's a lot. And my. They are old enough that if they need to cook themselves something, they they can. Mm-hmm. They they know how to safely operate the stove and the right. microwave and, and whatnot. But they shouldn't have to do that just because I don't feel... Right. Because I don't have the energy to do it. I have right. to find the energy. Right. If they're my responsibility, not because I'm struggling, or this is how I feel. Maybe not everybody feels the same way. You can feel that way, but the good news is your friends don't, and your friends right. feel differently and say, you know what, just because Jamari has to do this, mm-hmm. I don't want her to have to do right. it. Right. I want to do it for her because she thinks she has to, and right. I know she doesn't. Right. And I'm going to make sure she doesn't because she shouldn't have to. She deserves a night off. Right. So that mm-hmm. has helped me yeah. a lot. Thoughtfulness, even if it's yeah. funny, or yes. even if it was there's they have those smash rooms. You know, I've been thinking about going. Me too. Well, let's go. Take it's a day. <laughs> Take your friend. Go be like, hey, you know what? I've got the kids. I scheduled you an appointment. Go here at this time. You right. don't even have to know what it is. So true. Just so say, true. be here at this hour, at this date, mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. and, and I'm gonna stay and watch your kids, and then go. And then that's another thing. I used to leave my kids at home alone all the time because, I mean, they're older. Mm-hmm. Leila was 18 when she was still at the house, mm-hmm. and the youngest was 11. Mm-hmm. Now Leila has her own place and everything, so it's Sammy. But Sammy's 16. Yeah. So. I got things to do. <laughs> right? But, like, before, I wouldn't think about it twice. Yeah. Okay, guys, I'll be back. Love you. Yeah. Now, yeah. I think about it a million times. Same. I, you never think anything can happen to one of your kids and then something does. Right. And then you don't trust anyone. Anybody. I mean, there is a few I do trust. But, like, in the general, I also don't want to be a burden. I don't want to be that one person. I, Jimari, here you are again. What do you need? Like, I don't want to be that person. Yeah. So that's why I also try to pull my way. But I'm only human. But what's funny is we don't realize how many people don't view us that way. We feel like a burden because we know how needy we are. We know how mm-hmm. much we need. Right. We're just too proud to ask. Mm-hmm. And then there's all these people waiting in the wings saying, lean on me, lean on me, lean true. on me. That's very true. And it's really hard. What they don't realize is, as at least in yours and my circumstance, it's not every grief circumstance, but in ours, there has been harm in some respect or we are worried about the safety mm-hmm. of our children. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to let that go and then enjoy yourself while you're out there. Right. Right. The kids went to Michigan last week and I was home. Mm-hmm. I was here. I mean, I flew them up there because, again, the guilt. Right. Because how many times have my kids flown to Michigan and I've stayed home? Exactly. But no, I flew them up yep. and I came back home. And... I was trying to give them their space mm-hmm. because I knew they were safe. Yeah. And they were having a blast. But like at least twice a day, hey guys, <laughs> I love you, I miss you. And then they will yeah. answer me like hours later. Yeah. We love you, miss you too. We were, you know, riding a four wheeler, yeah. riding a dirt bike, or we were at the park. And You're like, no news is good news, right? Right. <laughs> But, like, here, my anxiety is, like, 150, and they're having a freaking great time. 
That's motherhood, though. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's par for the course. <laughs> but it's it was new. Yeah. Like my, I was anxious. Like I wanted to know. Yeah. I knew they were safe. Yeah. Like rationally, I understood they were safe. Yeah. But grief isn't rational. But I wanted to to hear from them. Trauma isn't rational, oh, and so the, the aftermath, the aftershocks of that earthquake mm-hmm. that you've gone through. Mm-hmm. And the the one thing I will say about grief is there's literally no rhyme or reason. It does not make sense. There is no method. There is no algorithm. There is no formula. I've learned that the hard way. It is so remarkably haphazard and irrational mm-hmm. there's no you're, you're basically trying to i don't even know what you're trying to do it's like you're trying to sweep the ocean <laughs> you know <laughs> funny you say that i saw a uh, jeff i mean some not a short video i don't know what it was me trying to solve problems and it was a guy <laughs> in the shore <laughs> mopping exactly <laughs> Right. That's what grief is. Don't right. try to control it. It's right. its own wild animal. Just, right. you know. So I would try to stay busy yeah. so that I wouldn't, because I didn't want to suffocate and take away from their fun. Right. And I think I managed pretty decently. That's a huge struggle for my husband and I right yeah. now, is not being the helicopter parent, because right. everything feels possible now. <sighs> everything. And it's, it's difficult. Right. How, do you, right. how do you navigate that? And we have to... We're really trying to learn to let go mm-hmm. and just trust that if anything were to happen to them, just like our third, mm-hmm. we'll see you when we get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we will still be alive, living, our, doing what we do, because we've endured it before. Right, right. And you know, and you don't want to think that way, but what people don't understand, and that will sound morbid to anyone who's not gone through it. Right, right. But that's self-preservation. It sure is. And you have to go there. If you, you can't not go there as a parent because you've already been there. Mm-hmm. So you have to go to that place. Right. And talk, it's, it's like worst case scenario, which I know a lot of moms, at least, I do know plenty of women who do this. And it's kind of like preparing yourself for the worst case scenario so that you can rebound faster right. and get back to taking care of the kids right, right. faster. It's a defense mechanism. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to bounce back. Exactly. I think in your case is the safety part of it. That's always in the back of your mind. Always. And then from what no I matter what. as a child myself, right. being behind closed doors, mm-hmm. leaving my kids alone is really, really difficult. I think for me it's trust. Melissa was telling me, because we talk a lot. Mm-hmm. We bounce things off, off each other and, and Dana as well. And she was telling me, your situation has changed my entire perspective in trust. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm saying this now, and it may change in the future, but, like, how can I ever trust another man with anything? And that's the interesting thing about trust, is the only way to have it work is to do it. Right. Like, and at some point, I know I'm going to have to. And there's no way to know when you're ready, and even when you're not ready, if you do realize, mm-hmm. if you ever get to that point where you're like, "There's, li- I have no choice. I either trust or I don't. Right. It doesn't make it any more, any more comfortable. Or scary. Or less scary. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's one of those things that you realize when you go through things like this, you have no control. Right. Stop trying And to at some point, I'm going to have to make a choice. Am I willing to but don't, trust you with my heart? Yeah. I mean, I would never trust anybody with the safety of my children. I can I can absolutely write that in a stone right now, and that's yeah. never going to change. But am I willing to put my heart again right. 
out there. Because, right. I mean, when it comes to relationships, you either do it or you don't. Right. Like, there's no in-between. Like, you right. can't have somebody there, but then it's not, like, super serious. I guess you could if that's what you want. You're going to be miserable. Right. But at some point, loving somebody is trusting that person that they will take care of your heart and guard it and protect it. So when I get to that point, I'll probably play this part of the podcast and remind myself. Love it. But that sort of thing, and that's a part about grief, is, oh, I remember this. This is going to sound so weird, but... There was a show, WandaVision. Yes. I haven't finished it, but... There's this tremendous part where... I forget what his guy... What's the guy's name? Vision? Vision. Uh-huh. He's sitting on the bed and he's talking about um, loss with her. Mm-hmm. And he said, what is grief but love persevering? Ooh. And that is... All that it is, is that if there is no risk involved, it's probably not love. If there, you're going to have to, something's on the line and it, it could potentially hurt, you mm-hmm. have to decide whether or not it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And when I say, you know, eventually you, you, you get to that point where you're like, you either trust or you don't, eventually you'll get to that point. I would just, for even for myself, I caution myself not to rush it because if I rush it, it's going to be, um, contrived and not genuine and it just won't be good it won't be good in any measure so I'm giving myself I've got all the time Mm -hmm. in the world Mm -hmm. whether here or there I've got time so I'm gonna let it be what it is one day at a time and yeah 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 I'm pretty proud to say that I made it through this episode without crying I'm so shocked I almost just started crying at the very end (laughs) I had my Puffs Plus real close, too. Not to say, not to say that I'm on my way home. (laughs) I'm not going to break down once or twice, but we managed. I'm shocked, too. Go us. That was a high five, guys. (laughs) They're like, no, that was a really intense fist (laughs) So I think we covered a lot today. I think this was a great discussion. And it, it feels good to me. To share that I'm not feeling something that is not normal. Something that may seem like this giant thing above my head. And feel like I'm the only one that's going through it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I don't think anybody in my inner circle has gone through... Again, they're working through their own issues. And everybody has their own version of hell. But I don't... Your situation is very unique. So it's not like even if there's people around me that have gotten divorced, it's it's not because of why I'm getting divorced. Right. So I sometimes even feel alone. Sure. In the pain. So it's good to know it validates my feelings. Yeah. That I mean I'm not glad that you went through no. your pain. That's not what I mean. But it's good to know that I'm not alone. No. It's it's normal to feel yeah. pain and this dark hole, but that there is a light. Yeah. The more you walk through it, the brighter the light gets. Absolutely. You have to keep going. Right. And not to say I'm I mean I'm I'm in a very dark place right now, yeah. but it I'm definitely closer to the light now than I was 7 months ago because you didn't sit still. You kept walking. Right. 
Right. He kept stumbling through that cave. Right. I'm still stumbling. Yeah. And I'm still in darkness, but I will get to the end, just day by day. Yep. And with the help of all your loved ones. Very true. An amazing woman like you. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Thank you so much. Do you Thank have you anything to me. add? Um, I'm just so grateful to be a part of this. When you told me you were going to be doing this and asked if I'd be interested, I was trying to hide my excitement and be like, be cool, be cool. <laughs> because I listened to plenty of podcasts mm-hmm. and I was like, I've always wanted to be on one mm-hmm. and I've never been on one. You're the first. Well, so I'm really excited. I probably have like 10 listeners, but that's okay. Because <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> I'm not doing this for the numbers. I'm doing this because it literally feels healing to me. Yeah. And again, it it explains on my first episode that I've heard a lot of podcasts and read books and seen videos of people after the fact. Yeah. Like after they go through the dark time and there's light and it'll be okay and the reassurance. And that's great. But we also have to, I feel like we should be real in the sense of it's also okay to be angry and sad and frustrated and not be able to be the amazing mom that you want to be, just not literally not being able to. Right. So I think it's okay to acknowledge all those negatives mm-hmm. so that when you get to the positive, it can truly show what the process was. Right. So that's that's my goal. So hopefully, hey. You're doing it. Thank you. Yeah. And right. I, this is a bucket list. I've been on a podcast. There you go. In a, in a bilingual one, too. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with me. Thank and you for having me. I love you so much. And hopefully, it won't be the last. No, um, no. No. This was fun. Yeah, super. Bueno, mi gente, eso es todo por hoy. Un quick recap de lo que hablamos hoy es que sadness and grief can creep up without a moment's notice. Trauma and shock can trigger many feelings. We can even feel misunderstood. But we also have to put some effort into pushing through every day, as hard as that might be. Grace is also important. Tomar uno o dos días para recargar baterías, un ratito para hablar con esa persona que nos sostiene en esos momentos tan difíciles are key. Set boundaries, but also acknowledge the effort others are putting into being there for you. This is a hard process for ourselves, but also for those around us. Un día a la vez. Thank you all for your time. If you enjoyed this podcast, pueden suscribirse y dejar sus reviews. Tienen ideas o preguntas, déjenme saber que yo haré lo posible por crear nuevos episodios con información. Como siempre, hasta la próxima. Besos.